Well, good morning, everyone. Um, it is good to be here today on this beautiful day and um, not so hot this morning. I know we've had some pretty hot temperatures and it's supposed to be even more so this week, but it's a beautiful day and just grateful to be in the presence of the Lord and with the saints. Um, today we're going to um, talk about boasting in the Lord um, in a in a time in our world where there are so many that um, are boasting um, about certain certain things and um, being kind of over the top about things, especially in this month. I won't go into detail, but y'all know what this in the world this what this month um, is uh, celebrating. Um, that there's a lot of boasting and pridefulness and um, just a, a focus on self and um, or in people's own agendas and uh, what they feel like is um, their rights, their what is important to them. Um, our our focus truly needs to be on the Lord and um, our boasting and. Um, needs to be in him and you know I've heard so many things in the news lately and just different things where you have um, just for example our president you know boasting and bragging on his son even though his son has you know done some things that would be very unpleasing to not only man but definitely to God um, you know what we boast in and what we are um, you know, make a big deal over should be the things of the Lord and, and what He's doing and not focused on the things of the world and, um, you know, what people find as their way of expressing um, themselves. So, um, I know I say that kind of vaguely, but y'all all know what I'm talking about. I don't want to make that a a lesson on that, even though my thoughts while I was um, studying this did kind of go towards that, you know, that um, thinking of pridefulness and and um, taking pride in things that um, are seemingly, you know, unholy and and unpleasing to the Father. So I felt like our focus really should be on. Um, you know, boasting in what God's doing. We know that, you know, just um, came back from a wonderful time in Brazil, and you know, we should definitely be boasting in what what God did there, what He did in His people, um, how people that were there that ministered, how they really stepped up and um, in ministry, and um, how our people that went there, how they they. They filled in, they were there, they were um, leaders in worship and, and and bringing forth the message. And, you know, that's that's something that, you know, we definitely as a, as a body should um, be boasting about. That's not to puff up or bring pride in any way to, um, you know, any human. It's simply to say, you know, thank you, Father, for what, what it is that that you did, what you did through our people and, um, you know, in the midst of that gathering. So, so God's really, you know, put this on my heart this week. Um, 
And so I, I have some passages here we're going to go through um, about things that obviously we want to boast on and in ways that we, you know, the Bible speaks of that we should not boast. So we're going to start off in Psalm 34, 1 through 10. Um, and I titled that David's Exhortation. And he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast. And that's halal. Um, you know, I put some of the words there to shine, to make a show, boast, celebrate. And, you know, I, again, I, and I probably will refer back to this a few times, but, you know, some of the things that are so in our face right now um, in the world, you know, we'll try to make it a celebration, a big show, and parading things, and, um, you know, in such a, in an ungodly way. Um, but it says, My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto me, and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him, and delivereth them. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. O oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. And so I went back and I looked at some of these verses. When you look at verses 1 and 2, um, and you know, David begins by blessing and praising and boasting in Jehovah. And that um, I just I plucked out those words specifically because of the connection between um, that and the boasting in the Lord. But um, he blessed, which there is that the word Barak, which means to kneel as an act of adoration. And then to the Tehillah praise, um, you know, from, from Halal meaning laudation or a hymn or song. And um, boasting there again to be clear, to shine, to make a show. Um, even to be foolish, you know, being foolish, you know, before him. I'm celebrating, raving. Um, in a, you know, it could be in a negative sense for some. Um, to, in that case, it would be to render absurdly or wholly futile, futile or ineffectual, especially by degrading or frustrating means. But we're taking it more from from the positive sense of who we're boasting in. But you could see how, you know, things that are going on in the world, how that could be in a negative sense and, and how that boasting is coming about. And verse two, um, as a result of this act of blessing and praising and boasting in him, um, says we're going to, let me go back to the verse. It says, the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. 
So that Shema, that hearing and hearing intelligently, and to be glad, to brighten up, or be gli you know, blithful, or, or um, gleesome. And then in verse 3, where it says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. That magnifying comes, and that's the good, it's gadol to, to twist or to make large, and we'll magnify the Lord with him and exalt the name of the Lord. So there's a lot there to me, and all those things are in connection, you know, with one another. Um, so you've got the you've got the blessing, the praise, the boasting, um, and then as a result of that, and um, that humility, and then um, hearing His voice, and then being glad in Him. And then if you look in verse. Four, it says, I sought, to, I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. So first of all, he heard him, and then it says he, he delivered him from not one of his fears, not just you know one occasion, but from all of his fears. He says he saved him from all of his troubles. And then he caused his angels to encamp round about them. And that's us pitching a tent. And from a word that means circling or surrounding them as um, a, a neighbor or environs. And then you get to verse 9. It says, O fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. So in that, there's, there's no want, there's no deficiency or poverty for those that fear the Lord. And if anybody has any comments along the way, please feel free to speak up. Because there's so much power in just this, just in praising the Lord and magnifying Him, and we need to be doing that continuously. Uh, you know, we enter His gates with thanksgiving. I know it's a different word, it's a different principle, but it's basically, you know, a heart of thanksgiving for who He is. But one of the things I love about Halal is when we boast in Him, it, it's like a doorway into His presence. Mm. It really is. And and, and so, you know, we understand the principle of being at his presence in the throne. And then we have the privilege to embody what, what we're able to see at the throne. And then I love like verse 5 where it says they looked on him and they were lightened. And their faces were not ashamed. I mean, there's an enlightenment about it that we bring. It's like our countenance. And I think so often we make evangelism. We make, you know, we make evangelism so hard but sometimes it's as simple as being in a place and boasting in the Lord and magnifying the mm -hmm. Lord from the depths of your heart and then walking in some place with that light and your countenance and that's evangelism it really is and and in the dark world people don't always see it but sometimes they do and they see yeah. a difference because we are surrounded in darkness and we are dwelling in that and I, I love this. So 
Thank you. Yeah, I, I agree to Monica because it seemed like as soon as, you know, when I when I started reading that passage and, and it began with the boasting in the Lord, then all these other things open up, you know, the the praise and the um, the blessing and um, being able to hear what he's saying and being glad and, and magnifying and exalting. So yeah, it definitely does open up. Um, you know, greater greater realm of relationship with him and um, and looking to him. Okay, Psalm forty four one through eight. Um, I put uh, that is trust, boast, and praise in his name. We have heard with our ears, O God, our fathers have told us what work thou didst in these days, in the times of old, how thou didst drive out the heathen with thy hand and plantest them. How thou didst afflict the people and cast them out, for they got not the land in possession by their own sword, neither did they own arm did their own arms save them, but thy right hand and thine arm and the light of the countenance, because thou hast a favor unto them. Thou art my king, O God, command deliverances for Jacob. Through thee will we push down our enemies through thy name. Will we tread them under that that rise up against us? For I will not trust in my bow, neither shall my sword save me. But thou hast saved us from our enemies, and hast put them to shame that hated us. In God we boast all the day long, and praise thy name forever. Selah. I love this passage, and you know it just, um, you know. It's definitely a matter of trusting in him that, you know, we, we can't do these things within ourselves. It's not by our own, um, you know, or our own, like it says, our own sword or our own arm, but it's by the right hand and his arm and the light of the countenance um, that, you know, that we, we have that and that um, we're able to boast in him all the day long. Um, verse 2, um, it says, Drove out the heathen with the hands and planted them, and he afflicted them and cast them out. And, and then verse 3, They did not gain possession of the land through the use of their own swords or by their own arms saving them, as I just said. And that's not what it was that, that brought, you know, brought that victory. Um, verse 5 and 6, rather God's right arm in the light of his countenance delivered him, them. He caused their enemies to be pushed down and to tread upon those that would rise up against them. He saved them from their enemies and he put those that hated them to shame. And because of all of those things, we boast all the day long. And I didn't say, but every word boast in these passages is, that is the word halal. So those first two Old Testament passages really focus on, um, you know, where our boasting should be and and um, what that boasting in the Lord, you know, what it what it really brings, you know, to um, to us and and he, you know, this this protection that he provides and this, um, you know, saving us. And saving us from our enemies and putting those ashamed that hate us, 
Um, and then because of that, we boast and says, you know, and we should, we should boast all day long, every day, in what it is that he's doing. Um, I know we're, we, we are all grateful. So when we wake up in the morning and, and throughout the day, we're thanking him for all that he's doing. And that, that's boasting. That's, that's in, a, in a positive sense of, you know, giving him all the glory for, um, for what he's doing in, in, in our midst and not in any way drawing that attention or focus back on ourselves, which we definitely see in the world. This next passage um, deals with boasting um, in riches and how that we should not boast in our riches. Um, Psalm 49, 1 through 20. Hear this, all ye people. Give ear, all ye inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. Doesn't leave anybody out. <laughs> my mouth shall speak of wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. I will incline my ear to a parable. I will open my dark saying upon the harp. Wherefore should I fear in the days of evil when the iniquity of my heel shall compass me about? They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude um, or abundance of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is precious and it ceaseth forever that he should still live forever and not see corruption. For he seeth that when wise men die likewise the fool and the brutish person <clears throat> perish and leave their wealth to others. Their inward thought is that their house shall continue forever and that their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. Nevertheless, man being in honor abideth not. He is like the beast that perish. This their way is their folly, yet their posterity, posterity approve with their sayings, Sila. And that approving of there is that being pleased with or satisfied with their sayings. Like sheep they are laid in the grave, death shall feed on them, and the upright shall have dominion over them in the morning. And their beauty shall consume or uh, fail, consume, fail, wear out, or decay in the grave from their dwelling. But God will redeem their soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. Selah. Be not afraid. They are afraid when one is made rich, when the glory of his house is increased. For when he dieth, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. Though whilst he lived, he blessed his soul, and men will praise thee when thou doest well to thyself. He shall go to the generation of his fathers. They shall never see the light, never see light. Man that is in honor, and honor there is to be in value, wealth, or costliness, and understandeth not is like the beasts that perish. Now, is it okay to have riches? Is it okay to have wealth? When you're boasting in it, and that is where your focus is, and I know people that even 
close to my own life that are wrapped up in money and that, you know, for some reason they, and, and you know, it's one thing and I, I should, you know, less as our <laughs> financial advisor here, there's nothing wrong with saving money. There's nothing wrong with having wealth. There's nothing wrong with your focus being on making sure that your family is provided for and all of those things. But I tell somebody in my life all the time, you can't take it with you. We've heard that. You know, you, despite what the world thinks on this topic, when you die, you're not taking that wealth with you. You know, yes, you can, you know, this passage, you know, is showing places where um, that is being left behind for, for family and for making sure they're taken care of. But when that becomes the focus, when that becomes your boasting, then that's when, you know, it's not good. Um, back in the 80s, I remember this being like on a bumper sticker or um, keychain, but how many of you ever heard the saying, um, he who dies with the most toys wins? You know, that was a saying and it was, you know, it was plastered everywhere. I haven't seen that in a long time, but it, I, that was, came to my attention. And, you know, that's not, you know, that's not our mindset. That's not where our mindset is. That's not where our boasting is. You know, he, he does want us to um, be wise with our finances and to be wise with our wealth. And, and I know he, you know, he does bless in that way. But when that becomes your boasting, when that becomes your your focus, that's when it's not right. So I felt like they needed to have a bumper sticker instead. It said, he who dies knowing of the unsearchable riches of Christ wins. And that's, that's more important than um, having things. Um, so I'm, I'm going to create a bumper sticker that says that. <laughs> you can. <laughs> um, so in verse 3... It says, we see the connection of wisdom and understanding with the psalmist's words in verse 3, where he speaks of his mouth speaking of wisdom and the meditations of his heart shall be, of that, be that of understanding. He then inclines or stretches forward a parable, and he then opens, um, and that word is patak, uh, to open wide or loosen or begin upon the harp. Did I read? Yeah, I read that part. So, I mean, there's a lot there. I mean, if you go back and you look at, um, you know, verse 7 even, or, well, let's go back to 6. They, they that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem or, you know, give a ransom or preserve or um, what are the other words there to preserve or to release or to sever um, his brother not um, nor can you pay God you can't you know provide a ransom to God to cover for someone else you know you've got the thinking that you can you know pay penance and for someone else and that's just not the way that works we're all you know responsible for our own um, 
you know, relationship with the Lord, and you, you know, money is not something that can be used to buy God or to to buy someone into salvation or um, anything like that. You know, Trish, I think about this is different, but the same. I think about Saul, and when when he was disobedient and the kingdom was taken from him and Samuel goes to meet with him and he's starting to explain well I left all that stuff that he told me to leave but I took all the best livestock so that I could offer them in sacrifice to the Lord and I mean oh my gosh for God to say that doesn't matter to me I mean obedience is so much greater than sacrifice, sacrifice. to him so when it, and it comes down to that comes down to our wealth are we obedient with, with what he provides for us right. and through us? And um, that's the true test of the heart, I think. Sure. Because it would be real easy to say, you know, I'm going to take all this bounty and then somehow I'm going to offer it to the Lord through giving or whatever, and that's noble. But what really matters is our, our heart of obedience. Is that what God says to do? Right. Because he may not. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. In my next little section there, and I had Mark look over my, my teaching last night, even though he was out of town, and he's like, uh, where did this, where did you get this title? And I just, it's, it's just, it was just funny to me, because when I started, you know, I used the dictionary some to look up specific words and just kind of get more of an idea, um, you know, about um, some synonyms for those who, who boast, which, you know, we, we call them braggarts and I thought it was funny um, to be called a windbag. Uh, it could also be called a gas bag. I did not put that on there, but, <laughs> but um, you know, we, we don't want to be called any of these words, that's for sure, unless we're boasting and, and, and bragging on what it is that God is doing and, and where that glory goes to Him and not ourselves. So Proverbs 27, 1 through 2 says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth or what it may bear. Let um, another man praise thee, and not thine own mouth, a stranger, and not thine own lips. So, you know, is it okay for someone to boast in someone else? Yes. Um, you know, do we brag on our, our kids for a job well done in school? Or, you know, do we, um, you know, boast in one another on, um, you know, their point of ministry, you know, in the body? Do we, you know, do those things to encourage one another? It's not a matter of puffing anybody up or trying to make them um, feel like that they are above anyone else. But yeah, I do, you know, I, if someone else wants to boast in you, um, you know, it's, that's a compliment. But to do it yourself, to boast in your own um, things, you know, that's, I know that's not pleasing to the Lord. Um, that's I, I've, you know, worked with many people who are that way, and you know, I just think I don't know if it comes from a, a place of um, rejection or lack of self confidence, or where that comes from. But we know it's not of the Lord. Where you feel like that, you know you have to put everything out there so that for some reason it makes you look good. 
um, because it really oftentimes just makes you look like a braggart or a windbag. So boasting and um, doing nothing but talking about yourself, that's, that's what that is. Um, it says don't boast, I put don't boast in yourself or you have no idea short of God's revealing that to us what tomorrow brings. Let others praise you if they do, just don't boast in yourself. And again, I mean, I said I wasn't going to keep going back to this, but I am. Because this month, again, has um, some significance for um, a grouping in this world that are, their focus is not boasting on the Lord. It's boasting in what they feel is their cause, their... Um, what they want to be recognized for, but it has nothing, absolutely nothing, to do with with the Lord, how the Lord wants them to to exist, to be, to function in this life. You just think about, you know, how if they're that bold to to boast in that way, how God could use that, you know, to really, you know, to turn that around, but. The focus is on themselves and not on um, on the Lord. So we pray and we ask God for leadership and strength and, in many cases, success that we're trying to achieve. And then if you boast about tomorrow, you're speaking about what I can do, mm -hmm. not about what God can do or what God has uh, given you the strength to do that you prayed for and yeah. he gave it to you and then you want to take the credit and it's just uh, there used to be a saying that you were talking about sayings that, that I was very familiar with in a company that I was in early on in my career and they would say he who tooteth not his own horn the same shall not be tooted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it was all about them. No matter what, especially at a gathering of any kind. It was all about them. Yeah. And I could just see these thin layers of ice that were cracking underneath them. <laughs> in my mind as they, as they continued to brag. Yeah. And God has a, <coughs> a fuse of grace, even in that area, but it is a fuse. Yeah. And then pride creates the fall. Right. You know, in my beginning studies of this, because I, um, I was focusing more on, you know, pride and um, pride of man and. And I, one of the verses I looked at um, talked about being covered, I guess, with a smoke or whatever. And I and started leaving. I, I went in so many different directions with this, and then the Lord brought me back to this specific area. But I was, you know, also um, studying some on incense and, you know, offering it our, you know, the prayers of the saints and the incense before the Lord. And that, you know, rising up. And that, so I don't want to get too far off track with this, but one of the things that I had looked at was 
Um, when I grew up in the Episcopal Church, certain special occasions or whatever, they would have, um, you know, a procession where they'd have the cross, they'd have what they called the thoroughfare, which had the incense in it. And to me, that it was a horrible smell. I don't even, I, to me, it didn't smell good at all. I don't know, I, I just, it was just a weird thing, but I didn't really understand, you know, at, at that point in my life, really what, truly what incense and scripture meant. But it would be almost like a surrounding or whatever. And so I was thinking back on the pride part of this, the verse that I would, had focused on was talking about, um, you know, someone that's prideful being surrounded like by smoke. I was thinking, you know, aren't we should be surrounded by the incense of the Lord and our prayers going up. And, and when that is going on, then you're focusing on the Lord. There's no room for pride in yourself. And there's no, no room for boasting too. So that's where it kind of took me to this, this you know, passage with, with the boasting on these passages. But um, I say all that to say, you know, like what you were saying, Dennis, that you know, if, if we're boasting ahead of time of something that, that God may be doing tomorrow, we're getting our cart before the horse, we're not really allowing God to do that work or whatever it is if we're trying to get you know ahead of him so that that kind of boasting to me is kind of scary as well that you know we're not allowing him to to truly guide us so anyway okay this next um, section um, every word that I have here this for boast and then there's some places uh, with about glory and glorying is this word um, and I'm, I, I'm going to butcher it, butcher it however I say it. So, Kokakama, I, well, I don't even know. Oh, man, I'm Amahi. Well, anyway. <laughs> um, it means to boast or to vaunt. And it's um, akin to that. It says a, a QO to boast and then that Ukamai or whatever to vaunt or to, it says, to wish or to pray to God. So the, in a positive sense there, but because there can be vaunting in a negative way, but obviously we're focusing on um, boasting in the Lord, um, so that would be a positive um, application of that. So the first passage is in Romans 2, um, 17 through 19, and I put this as a matter of the heart. Behold, there art called a Jew, and restest in the law, and makest thy boast of God, and knowest his will, and approvest the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law, and art confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which has thou the form of knowledge and of the truth in the law. Thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idol, dost thou commit sacrilege? Thou that make, makest thy boast of the law, through breaking the law, dishonorest thou God? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, as it is written. 
For circumcision verily profiteth if thou keep the law, but if thou as a breaker of the law, the circumcision is made uncircumcision. Therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? And shall not earn circumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee, who by the letter and circumcision does transgress the law. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, and not in the letter whose praise is not of men, but of God. So, a lot there. When I looked at that as a summation, it's, you know, you, you do these things, are you living these things? Do you say these things, you teach, but are you, <coughs> are you um, being teachable? Are you teaching someone not to steal, or are you not stealing? Um, you're teaching someone not to commit adultery. Are you living that? Um, it says, Thou that makest boast in the law, through breaking the law, dishonors God. So, they that rest in the law, they took pride in having the law among them, and in their books, and in their synagogues, through this. That's how they made their boast in God. It's an all outward thing. Um, it's That wasn't a... a matter of the heart it was a matter of what could be seen that boasting in that way which you know it's means nothing i mean are you living it are you you know is, is this what's truly in your heart is this what you know what you what you've made your life work your you know your passion for the father it's not just a matter of show or boasting um you know visually that you're doing these things they were instructed of the law and they knew his will and approved of the things that were most excellent they were confident in there being a guide of the blind and a lot of them that were in darkness and it um, says they were instructors of the foolish and the teacher of babes they boasted in the law but dishonor god by breaking the law it is not with the outward appearance and boast that our God is pleased. He is pleased when we boast in him and praise him for what he has done in the inward parts in our heart. That's what's, you know, that countenance, you know, like Monica was talking, the lightness, the light of the Lord. Those are things that, yes, they're visible on the outside that, that people are going to see, but are... You know, works, you know, I, seeing you do certain things, yes, important. But what's truly going to change people and really want them to um, commit their hearts to the Lord is what they see in your heart. That's where our boasting comes from, from what he's done in our hearts. Okay, boasting in times of tribulation may be a hard thing to do when you're going through difficult times, but that's, that's the perfect time to really be boasting in the Lord and what he's done in your life and what you know that he's going to continue to do, even in that season that may be difficult for you because we all go through those times where 
Um, we feel maybe defeated at times. We feel like we're um, far from God, that we're not hearing His voice, that we're not having dreams or visions. Um, but during those times when maybe we're um, <clears throat> being attacked by things in the world that are coming our way, um, that's where our boasting really needs to be in Him. So Romans 5, 1 through 5 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, or that are his stemming. And we rejoice, <clears throat> and we rejoice, and that's that same word as boasting, in hope of the glory of God. So that's where our boasting comes, in the hope of his glory. And not only so, but we, <clears throat> excuse me, even though this may be hard, we're going to glory in the tribulation also because we know that through that tribulation, he's working patience in us. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard sometimes. I think we all can say that we've been through those times that were difficult. And But knowing, knowing this and knowing his word and what he's promising here is what makes that time better because you know you're going to learn something from it and you know that he he's going to um, do a work in the midst of those those difficult times and, <clears throat> and um, knowing the tri tribulation work with patience and patience experience and experience hope and hope maketh not ashamed because the Lord of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> which is given unto us. So by way of Jesus, we have the peace of God. We have access to the grace, His grace, and we stand in that. We rejoice and boast in the hope of His glory. These are all the wonderful things offered to us from above. But look at verse 3. <clears throat> we also, again, glory in those tribulations. Why are we in the midst of that pressure? Those tribulations are pressures. Um, patience, which is the hupamune, which is that hopeful endurance and that constancy. So... In the midst of that, <clears throat> you have that patience, that waiting upon him, and that hopeful endurance that he's, he's bringing you through that. He's going to do a mighty work in you. It will certainly be worked in us. So I, I did a little, almost like a little timeline here where I did arrows, but tribulation page, goes to patience, patience to experience, trials and tests, more experience, <laughs> trials and tests, just when you thought you got through it all, here it comes again. And then that hope, that, that confidence in him. His agape is then poured forth in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So here in this passage, we, in this one passage, we see the Father and his Son and the Holy Spirit all at work in our hearts. <clears throat> As we boast in him and we glory in him, and what we're going through because we know that it's doing a work in us that we're going we're gonna to learn from, that we're going to be able to um, use to minister to others when they, they may be going through those same things.
and recognizing them later when we go through them again in a similar fashion so that we react in a way that is not allowing it to take us out somehow, but to strengthen us and move us forward in its purpose. Okay, 2 Corinthians, let's see. 2 Corinthians um, 9, 1 through 5. For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is super, I never can say this right, super, super, <laughs> for them, for me to write to you, for I know the forwardness of your mind for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal had provoked very many. Yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that as I said, ye may be ready, lest happily if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before you and make up beforehand your bounty, where, whereof you had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as covetousness. So, you know, Paul's, you know, that boasting there of... Um, the Macedonian church, and he told them that Achaia was ready years ago and that their zeal had been provoked by many. And, you know, I could think of places over, you know, over the years where we know that places that we've traveled to all over the world, how God has prepared their hearts ahead of time for when the saints come in to minister. And I think about the church in Brazil and how they had that time of preparation in their own hearts and in their own house to receive what it was that the Lord was bringing and that they're probably, and I, I don't know all the testimonies of what, you know, happened there because I wasn't there, but I... I know of some based on reports that God did a mighty work. And I'm sure they're boasting big time in the Lord, and so are we. I mean, we're so grateful for what it is that he's doing there and that they love the Lord so much. And, you know, they still have things to learn. We all do. But they, in their hearts, had that zeal. They wanted more. And so... For us to go, we needed to be prepared. You know, we were we were told, you know, months in advance, you know, that, you know, it was open for people to go. And that's an opportunity to prepare your hearts for that. If you were staying behind and you were you were here, then you were preparing your hearts to to intercede and lift up and gird up the team that went and the church there in Brazil. But that was where our boasting was and so you know, I, I look at this and I, you know, I think we don't need to find ourselves unprepared and not ready. Um, we don't want it to be um, a confident boosting there, but yet um, that boasting says there's a shame or disgrace um, or puts the blush 
could come if that boasting is there, yet you're unprepared or not ready. Right. Right. And that's just a very humble yeah. communication. Yeah. I agree. And it really admonishes us to make sure that, you know, we're we're ready at any point. You know, that even though we may not have, you know, several months preparation before we go out somewhere that um, you know we're ready so that um you know, when Pastor says, I have a team that I'm bringing into Brazil, they're ready, they're, um, they've prayed, they're, they're ready to uh, minister, you know, among the saints, that when the team got there, that they were ready, and they were. I don't know if there were any glitches, you know, if any major glitches, but I know that God did a mighty work there, and it was because of the preparation of the hearts of the people that went and the preparation of the hearts of the people that stayed behind to commit to intercession and um, and really lifting up what was going on there. And then I have three more verse passages here. Second Corinthians 10, 7 through 11. Do you look on things after the outward appearance? If any man trusts himself that he is Christ, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ, even so we are Christ. For though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, <clears throat> which is the Lord hath given us for edification and not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed. That I may not seem as if I would terrify you by letters. For his letters say they are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech is contemptible. Lest such and one think that this, that, such as we are in word by letters, when we are absent, such we will also be indeed when we are present. And so when I kind of looked back at that, I was, you know, trying to figure out what all Paul was saying there. But, you know, oftentimes, you know, we may write a letter, you know, an email or something, and we're really, um, you know, encouraging the saints or, you know, this is what God wants to do um, in your midst, or this is what the Lord is speaking to me to share with you. And then, um, is that the same when we're in person? Is he is he doing that same? Is he doing that same thing? It's um, you know, that also being indeed when we are present that's that's just that's being that same thing that that boasting that comes um but it comes in the sense that you're not one thing one way and somebody different the, in in person is kind of what i gleaned from that and i i know there's more to this this passage than that but um because he says for uh, for though i should boast somewhat more of our authority which the Lord had given us, because the Lord gave it um, for edification, to edify the church and not for destruction. He says, I should not be ashamed, um, that I may not seem as if I would terrify you by letters. So was he um, 
more direct or whatever with the letters as opposed to being in person, but to be seen as the same in both person and through the letters. Second Corinthians 10, 12 through 18, for we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measure themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. But we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God had distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure as though we reached unto you. Sorry, I lost my place there. For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure as though we reached not unto you. For we are come as far as to you also in preaching of the gospel of Christ. Not boasting of things without our measure, that is of other men's labors, but having hope when your faith is increased that we shall be enlarged by your by you according to our rule abundantly to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand but he that glorieth let him glory in the lord for not he that com commendeth himself is approved by whom the lord commendeth and i all this, I, I was thinking about the phrase that people say, and it, some, something, some ways it can be a negative thing, but when people say, stay in your lane, <laughs> you know, this is what, you know, not, you're not boasting of, um, of things that, of yourself or comparing yourself to others or what they may be doing but you're boasting in the things of the Lord and how he's working through you um, and glorying that glorieth and, and glorying in the Lord is that same um, word for, for boasting that um, says for not he that commendeth himself is approved for whom the Lord commendeth. So it's by his commending his, you know, um, his focus on us rather than us focusing on ourselves. And I know, you know, I, this is not in any way saying that that's happening um, by any means because, you know, the Father has brought our church so, so far and I've only been a part of it for 23 years. And I know that, you know, we've died, we die to self, we die daily, and we know that it's not about us in any way. It's what how God wants to use us and our boasting and our glorying is in him and what he's doing and we just have to be a you know constantly remind ourselves that there's no way we're doing this in ourselves this is totally the lord and and he's driving this and um what we're doing is being obedient that that obedience is is so important and the last passage here Ephesians 2, 4 through 10, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loves us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, 
that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself, what is it? It's a gift of God. It's not anything that we can do in ourselves. Not of works, lest any man should boast. So it's not anything that we can boast in that we, we are doing. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So our boasting is completely in him. His mercies are rich. Um, he, he has a great love for us. Um, when we are dead in sins, he quickened us to, um, together with Christ. He saved us by grace. He's raised us up. He's made us to sit in those heavenly places. All of these things come from him. That's why we boast in him. That's why we boast in his, in his mighty works and all that he's doing in the earth. So I am finished unless anybody has any comments or... Sure. Of course. I just looked at that is, I mean, we all know that Paul had some kind of handicap. I mean, nobody, I think, really knows exactly what it is. I thought that it was his eyes, just because some of the scriptures are in the Bible, but nobody really knows what it is. But we, we know that Paul ministered, the Holy Spirit ministered through Paul. And he boasted in the Lord knowing his weakness. I mean, my goodness, if anybody through scripture has taught us about in our weakness, we are made strong through the grace of the Lord. So um, to me, what that says is whether or not he's writing them a letter, and I'm sure his letters, well, clearly we have his books, are so direct and so powerful, there had to be some measure of maybe insecurity when he would come in person right. because he knew his afflict or whatever he was dealing with. But when it's the Holy Spirit that's 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 coming through him, whether he's in you know present or in a letter, it should be the same. It has to be the same because it's not us; it's the Holy Spirit. And I find great comfort in that, right? Mm -hmm. Because we need to remember that you know whether or not you're writing a book or standing at a pulpit to minister to 500 people. I I for one, and I know you guys. Are the same know my own in I, I mean I know my limits I know and and so it's just that constant Lord let me be transparent and you minister through me let let it be you because therein lies the power but it does come through us coming face to face with our own weakness and our mm -hmm. own inadequacies and and when we let those inadequacies hinder us from actually being obedient to step forward um, that therein lies our disobedience right and and our pride I guess you would say so anyway it's good that's just what I it's just what I saw in that because I know that you know sometimes I'll sit down and I'll I don't do this very often it's kind of like listening to yourself on a tape or watching yourself on video. I don't know if anybody ever does that, but I don't <laughs> because I'm my own worst critic. But um, sometimes I'll pick up one of my books and I'll 
start looking looking something up or whatever, and I'll read a paragraph and I'll think, who wrote that? <laughs> I'm not kidding. I mean, I don't know if that ever happens to pastor, but I mean, it's like, and I know it was the Holy Spirit because I don't have it, but he does. Yeah. And it's just a matter of, are we all willing to be obedient vessels just emptied out so that he can use us no matter what our our afflictions are. So what a great example he is for us. Yeah. Amen. I've, I've thought about that too. And when I read that passage, I was thinking about how I've always said this, that I've always been a better writer than a speaker. Um, I, I mean, I think it stems back from, I journaled a lot when I was a kid. Um, I didn't have the voice that I needed to be able to speak up and um, the things that were going on in my life at that time. So I always wrote. And so I, I then developed a love for writing. You know, I was an English teacher and, and all that, and I've always enjoyed it, but I've always felt like that I could articulate my words much better in writing than I ever could, because that is my weakness, getting in front of people and speaking. So I can identify with Paul there because it's not a strength that I have, but it's, it's out of obedience because I know that the Lord wants me to do that and to grow in that. And I feel like I have. I don't get near as nervous as I used to, but it's, it is a weakness. But, you know, I know that um, the Lord uses that as a, as a strength. So I'm, I have to stand in that. And, but I can, I can see that kind of that... Um, grappling, you know, okay, I know that my letters, you know, whatever, that they really spoke something that seemed more stronger or stronger than me standing before you, so. Well, I can tell you this, Trish, that this last hour, the, the, the Holy Spirit just totally ministered through you. Yeah. With power and with authority, you're yielded to him, and it's very evident, and you are very clear, so. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Walk in that confidence, but boast in him. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Boast in him. So. Anybody else? 